Hello and welcome to the Sage Space. It's probably retrospectively looking back on life that I started to understand where I'm most happy, where where I really feel like my soul is enriched and it normally went back to water, water environments. Uh, that water environment for me was was the element at which I felt most calm, most secure um, and something that I would always go back to. Post-cancer, I wanted to create a space to have conversations with the many creative people who offered up their knowledge and wisdom of how to move through this challenging time. Often practical, definitely insightful and always infused with optimism, these conversations are a joy to share. As the designer Alan Moore says, the act of creating something of beauty is a way of bringing good into the world. Infused with optimism, it says simply, life is worthwhile. I love water, literally any water. I'll happily jump into any cleanish stream, a lake, reservoir, the sea, whatever the weather, trying to persuade those around me that it's good for them, that they must just go on and get in and try it. And as for the healing powers of the big blue, well, I feel they're infinite. So I was delighted to meet a kindred spirit in the form of Nick Hounsfield, osteopath turned pioneering entrepreneur behind the wave just outside Bristol in southwest England. The Wave is the first wave park in the UK, a 75-acre expanse of green space with a wave park lake right through the middle. If you haven't seen pictures of this oasis, you should definitely check it out. It's an extraordinary example of how a vision for a space that incorporates a hefty expanse of water and set amidst a protected green space can exist on the outskirts of a city. But that's not half of the Wave's mission. They want it to be a hub to promote blue health and the numerous benefits you can get from being in, near or around water. For everyone from inner city kids who've never had a go at surfing to ex-war veterans, people in recovery from cancer or serious illness, healthcare workers who've experienced depression or PTSD. All these people who could be any of us and in whom studies have found water in its myriad form can have a real impact on health and recovery from illness. Nick also shares in our chat how he's been drinking in his own medicine this past year. In March 2020, a series of strokes led him into a year of recovery to regain his speech, his strength and his stamina. Surfing and the therapeutic nature of being by the water, he says, has been his salvation and a major part of his rehabilitation programme. I love chatting to Nick and I seriously salute his charisma and determination to use the wave as a space for social progress. I really hope you enjoy our conversation. Nick, uh, welcome to the Sage Space. Thank you very much for your time and thanks for agreeing to come and talk to me. Pleasure. It's great. Um, The first question I like to ask people, how have you found space for yourself today? Today? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not, not sure if I have. Um, how do I actually? I, I I always I always wake up early, so I guess it just creates a bit of space. I've got three young kids, um, a dog that's perpetually uh, jumping all over me, a couple of cats, uh, and obviously my wife. And I try to um, create some space early 
early on before anybody else has woken up to yeah just um get myself going get kind of gather my thoughts uh and um uh while i while i'm making a coffee um for myself and my wife that's normally my sacred space to um to just contemplate what's you know what's coming up you know during the day and um yeah just ground myself a little bit before starting yeah the quiet quiet seems to be the uh common denominator that everyone needs yeah particularly, in lo- particularly for you guys in lockdown as well yeah yeah i mean you know i normally create my space by by um going surfing 100 percent, but i just can't do it so you know uh coffee seems to be my <laughs> my preferred choice at the moment but yeah i think i had <laughs> i had this, this sort of uh utopian idea of you getting up every morning to surf and that was like your way of uh creating the space wish, for yourself I <laughs> wish it was I wish it was but not not at the moment not at the moment and it's something though uh I'm desperate to get back to so once we get out of lockdown um every morning being able to get by in or on the water is that's my go-to place yeah so Nick this is this is a, a question I will I guess I have thought quite a lot about like the environment we live in. I mean, I've moved around a lot in my job over the past sort of 17 or so years and lived in loads of different environments, sort of realized that they have a bit of a different effect on us and, you know, physically, mentally. But I don't think until I was I was ill with cancer in 2016 that I actually realized that would could really detrimentally affect my health. Mm-hmm. And I wondered when when you sort of started to see that the environment could really have a detrimental effect on people's health and how it could positively affect people's health was it during your work was it how you grew up I guess you know I I it's probably retrospectively looking back on life that I started to understand where I'm most happy where where I really feel like my soul is enriched and it normally went back to water water environments uh could be a mud, muddy pond you know it's not necessarily the crisp beautiful caribbean ocean um which um which obviously is really attractive but it was something around that reflection that reflection of of surfaces and the ability you know but uh, literally a, a small pond would do it for me i you know i'd always be drawn drawn to that um so that that water environment for me was was the element at which i felt most calm most secure um and something that i would always go back to and then you know i worked in healthcare for i was working for in healthcare for around about 17 18 years um and i was you know it was it was then you know i guess feeling quite trapped in that environment in the healthcare environment myself but trying to tell my clients or patients how important it was to get outside and be active and find the really great spaces that will enrich their their souls um and then suddenly that that sort of realization going I'm not even practicing what I'm preaching. So that that how how important that that was then to 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 be able to to create um and and start to formulate a a space and environment by which we can share that sort of that sort of um 
uh, those elements, uh, you know, the blue and the green spaces to really bring out the best in, in, in people. And as in, in your work as an osteopath, were you, were you seeing people come in with, with obviously physical manifestations of, of, of an injury or something, but did you feel at that point that the environment could be something that could help them positively? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it was, it was the time it was literally at the time when we started to get some city riots going on, um, in Bristol, but across the whole of the UK, um, it was sort of kind of kicking off. Um, and, uh, and I realized particularly I was treating, um, I not exclusively, but was definitely treating a lot of elderly patients and they were, they, they were probably reading the wrong newspapers. They were watching the wrong TV and they basically were thinking, if I step outside my door, I'm going to get mugged, um, by some hoodies. Um, goodness knows why they thought that because a lot of them lived in pretty nice middle-class backgrounds. But anyway, that was, that was the message was out there in that community without a doubt. And so they were just stopping exercise and they weren't going for the walk they were getting stuff delivered to them rather than than going out there and getting them um and they weren't socializing so much um and then you know like we see at the moment the, there's a massive effect therefore on their mental health in terms of not being able to socialize and have that interaction and of course being being able to exercise being out there in even in the city, we still have got great parks um, and they, those were normally the things that they would be walking around in and they just weren't. And so I really started to understand how there was the intrinsic link between, you know, being outside, being sociable, being connected to nature and um, the detrimental effect that that has on people. And I was going, well, actually, therefore, if we instead of me just treating the symptoms of that um, that problem, how could how could I actually create a new environment by which we would be able to um, mitigate that um, you know right at the start? It's like let's create an environment by which we can get to the heart of some of the those those issues. Yeah. Am I thinking it's back in two, about twenty ten that you came up with the idea? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's quite a pioneering thing to cut to connect all those dots and to kind of see that really big picture yeah i mean it's i wouldn't have thought that i'm particularly visionary at that time it was more a case of different bits bits of the jigsaw starting to come together and then suddenly you go well, wait a second if we if we do that then actually we can expand it to that and then suddenly the scale at which that impact could could happen just just kept growing and then you know, I, I guess I have got a very overactive imagination, but then I was starting to go, well, well, why can't we do that? It's, um, you know, why can't we do this at scale? And why can't we, you know, why, why am I looking at five acres of land? Why don't we go for a hundred acres of land? Why don't we go for 200 acres of land and, and start pulling in all these different areas that could really help people's health and well-being um and so and also making sure that i was surrounded particularly at that time with some pretty crazy people um who totally said you know what i was considering was pretty bonkers bit out there but we should definitely do it so you know the first person i talked to was tim smith from the eden project so you know you've only got to look at what he's done and go anything's possible and then you know surrounding myself with really good 
people and mentors to go yeah anything's possible we just got to we just got to we've just got to create a picture and sell the picture of what that space could look and feel and smell like and then start people on that journey of 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 helping me make it for listeners that perhaps don't know much about surfing and haven't haven't heard of of the wave and the surf park mm-hmm. uh, Perhaps you can explain just just very briefly about it. But also, what I mean, one thing that really strikes me about the wave, and having read a lot about different um, proposals for, I mean, I know there's one in a proposal for one in France, mm-hmm. but the language is so different. It's all about a kind of entertainment park. And what strikes me so much about your vision is it's there's such a sort of social element to it that. The health, you know, let's shift the perspective to have health as a health well-being as, as something that's attainable for everyone. And you don't have to live on the sea, as so many of us might like to in an ideal world, but of course mm. we can't. But developing other open spaces, but with a mm-hmm. real social impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it just it fundamentally comes down to the what, you know, the case of why the purpose behind behind the mission, really. Um, mine, mine was a very clear clear mission and it didn't really involve surfing at all surfing actually was sort of retrofitted into that that vision um later so you know what what we've quintessentially got is a lovely area of of um you know green space which we've put in a big slice of the ocean creates perfect surfing waves on you know what feels like an an enormous not not a swimming pool but like a a man-made lake that creates perfect surfing waves and then trying to thread the story and the connection of of um green space so you know uh, all the trees and the hedgerows and and the grass that surrounds us and the hillsides um with the blue water of this beautiful lagoon basically or this cove um and then being able to tell the story about human health uh physical health as well as mental health but then the connection to also um the environment and therefore also trying to protect the environment um so the surfing bit came came later it was more about trying to create an environment by which people could go outside exercise more eat well um just you know, a, a great day out kind of thing, but not not with a real attraction point of view. But then when I found this technology, it was just, you know, serendipity, although I've been surfing for 42 years, so it's not that surprising. Um, suddenly it was that proper eureka moment where I went, oh my goodness, it's like, if you put that in the center of that place, you've got the cool vibe of surfing and great culture and uh, um and that messaging and and you know surfing is being used across the world to sell all sorts of fairly rubbish things uh some good things as well but you know there's this you know it, for, from from toxic drinks to alcohol to cars and you know it's just used because it's a very it's a very attractive sport and pastime but actually if we could use surfing to sell surfing and surf surfing by nature is you know that the really cool bit of culture that comes with it and also the 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 fact that a lot of surfers particularly now are fiercely protecting you know the planet then actually there's some really cool messaging to go along with that uh and and you know i guess that's 
that's the vision that I sold and we got it built. And it's something that we are able to use to market, but also do this now many times over. So we use that as the the hook, the cool anchor at the at the at the centre of it, but actually it allows us to talk about all sorts of things, not just surfing. Um, and we've already seen that so many people just come to hang out, and they're like, "Well, what did you do at the wave?" Like, Don't know, but I was there for three or four hours, and yeah, maybe you know had a cup of tea and you know something to eat and stuff. But actually, I just love hanging out in that place like we would if we went. What did you do? When you go down, when you went down to the beach today, oh, well, you know, I just hung out because I just love it. Um, that's, you know, to me, that's 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 perfect. And all these kind of benefits are, um, are what come up in the Blue Health reports. I stumbled across your report by accident, really. My brother had given us some vouchers for last summer, and um, obviously we couldn't use them. So I was just sending some messages and I started to your um, team and I then came across the, the Blue Health report and I just thought, I mean, of course, like this is, this is so obvious. I mean, this, I mean, it's not obvious, but it is obvious. I mean, I'm someone yeah, who's brought up this love affair with water. My mother used to kind of wade through the frost to go for a swim. My dad in his seventies goes on ocean water, big open water swims with my brother and so the water, we've always felt very comfortable in, and it's something that we really feel and kind of down to our core. It's, it's so interesting when you see people who the water is, doesn't provide such a strong connection, but that it possibly could. You know, the Blue Health Report is starting to put some language around what we, we fundamentally feel is, feels right. You know, nothing, nothing in there, nothing in, in the, this whole field is, is, um, a hard concept to to grasp it's about starting to put some some data behind or 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 some language around why we feel why we feel how we feel when we're around water and then and then start to unpick the really key points from that to then go right how could this become part of a prescriptive model from a healthcare point of view or you know is it is it fundamentally important for people to be in the water or actually can they just be around the water and just the sound of it? And therefore at very, very low cost, we could get kids from inner city areas who've never ever been close to that sort of environment and just being around it. It doesn't necessarily have to be in it, um, but start to create some connection to that water environment for their own physical health. But then also when they're looking at why we need to protect ocean environments and things like that. That they, there's a connection there to go. I now understand the value of water, and I have a connection now that makes me want to fiercely protect it. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 more about just starting to 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 get some some coherent language around that, and then work with other bodies who've all, already been doing this for way longer than 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 we have but then start to um, join up together and get some a real rich body of information around that. So it will help with some kind of prescription model for, for healthcare. What are some of the projects that are, that are coming out of the health, Blue Health Report? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot around. I mean, the, the, the bits that we get mainly involved in, uh, particularly 
children's health, uh, particularly uh, kids with anxiety, um, early stage depression, psychosis. Um, there's quite a lot around um, uh, um, trauma, um, so around post-traumatic stress disorder uh, for you know ex-war veterans, um, people, frontline medical workers. We've got a really interesting thing. Hopefully, we'll be able to release soon working with NHS workers who've been completely under the cosh over the last year and how we can try and help them um, really, you know, once pandemic's over, there's a bit of decompression that needs to happen off the back of that uh, because we can't just expect them to seen, to have seen some of the most traumatic things that they will have ever seen in their lives and then expect them to just go back out there and just deliver a normal normal service Um there's needs you would you would after you would after you know doing a tour of Iraq or somewhere like that you would you would normally have a three month decompression to go I just need to get my head straight from what I've just experienced and at the moment we're expecting them you know people who've been doing a whole year worth of horrible stuff um, very traumatic stuff and expecting them to the next day right pandemic's over business as usual. Um, so I think that's so important, um, you know, f- from that perspective. And then, yeah, there's quite a lot of um, things being done around sort of, um, um, you know, uh, addictive disorders, things like that um, as well. So, um, yeah, there's, there's lots of ten- tendrils there. Um, and it's about sort of finding some common themes and then going, right, how could we deliver it in our environment um, safely and securely? and start to gather some more evidence around the benefits of it so that then we can that can really help us with um yeah as i say with with that prescription model and do you think one of the key elements is that we get medical help for things that that are absolutely crucial and they're life-saving but that equally there's a lot to be said for perhaps looking around and investigating other other forms of therapy other forms of finding ways to feel better about ourselves and I think moving away from a prescriptive model that is just go to your doctor and just get something to make you feel better and maybe are you seeing health professionals ready to refer these kind of therapies we're, we're starting to see it and particularly the wave project who's based down in in Cornwall they do get you know we've got um uh, you know, NHS referrals happening already for kids to be able to have, you know, a course of six surf therapy treatments rather than having to put them um, on medication. Amazing. Um, Amazing. Which is, yeah, yeah, incredible. And that's, that's you know, we're, we're going to be doing that um, up at Bristol as well. Um, so I just think that that's a matter of time. I think you, you hit a really good point. You know, this is, if you know about it, then, you know, what, What's really important is, is I think, is trying to reach out to communities who just have no idea that there is a benefit to this. And therefore, and, and there is still that sort of real um, uh, do what the doctor tells you that, you know, it's ingrained in so many people. So if, if we can flip the model to some degree to go, actually, the doctors told you that you have to do that, it's, it, or it's going to be beneficial for you to do that then that's great because that will reach into areas where they would never be engaged with this sort of thing, which is brilliant. Um, you know, there, there would be, it'd be very easy to, to end up just preaching to the converted. I mean, I, I could, you know, we could talk 
to the cows come home about this sort of stuff. Um, but actually, how do we infiltrate the communities where they just don't, it just isn't even on their radar? Um, in you know, And in the same way, from an environmental point of view, it's, like it's just not on their radar. So actually, if we can combine what's what could be really great and be self-prescribed medicine with also that connection to nature and the environment and the planet, that is a very, very powerful combination. And I think that the, it's, it, it's a great way of looking to the future, really, for, for problems both in human health and also environmental health. And how do you get to these communities? What's the approach? Do you reach all these people? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a challenge. It is a real challenge. I mean, fr- from our point of view, what we've not been able to do because we've not been open, we've been probably closed. I think we've been closed longer than we've been open at the moment. We're very good at, at closing and reopening things at the moment. But um, what we needed to do is just kind of get a real rock steady base of operations and just make sure like everything's safe and secure and how it all kind of works. Um, and what we're doing now is looking at uh, a sort of another model. So we've got sort of our profit making business, but we do, you know, we do that also with social and environmental impacts um, and profitability threaded through but also uh, looking at more of a foundation model whereby, right, you know, we do have to charge a certain amount of money for people to come on, but actually how can we get funding and create uh, another model whereby we can do that outreach work? Um, uh, and, you know, I think we've got, we've got lots of different, lots of different layers to what we, you know, um, it's great outdoor space and people can just, come out you know come out and see the site we can obviously get people surfing it may be something also around food and the cafe and 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 messaging through that um so there's lots of different opportunities and it's just a a matter of trying to find out the ones which which taps into communities that are already doing stuff really good stuff and they just need another platform to be able to do it and use, you know, use surfing or or the power of waves and the messaging for that to just draw people into that space. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got, we've absolutely not cracked it at all in Bristol yet. And I relish the fact that we can do that. Um, but social media, you know, is, is going to be such an important part on that. Um, you know, the amount of time people are spending on computers and, um, you know, TikTok and um, various other platforms and actually start to engage and go, oh, that's kind of, yeah, that that's cool. I really want to come and visit that place. And then when they come here, they find it a cool and engaging place, but also then start to use um, the messaging sort of very carefully to be able to then tell the story of why this why this is a, a, a probably a better alternative than, you know, um, you know, kids ending up, I don't know, taking drugs or, you know, drinking or being on computers, you know, any of those more negative, uh, addictive behaviours. So some of the blue, uh, the blue care initiatives, treating kids with autism, um, women recovering from breast cancer, um, adults and with maybe drug or alcohol addiction, what sort of benefits would you or have you seen that the surf therapy or or blue therapy can give people i mean gosh there's i mean so could, many. yeah i know it's like where, where do i start but i mean for people listening who, 
who, you know, the water isn't a big draw, but mm-hmm. what, why am I going to get in it? What, why am I going to come? Yeah, I mean, there, there's, you know, there, there's a, the very fundamental thing of just doing a skill that you've never done before and the the thrill of of achieving something and and surfing is not easy it's not easy but actually um uh being able to have a go at something that you know it's still surfing is i think on the top five bucket list things to do before you die um and and um it's because uh, it's got great culture uh, associated with it, um, but also it, a real sense of achievement when you when you stand up on the surfboard for the first time. Um, so I think there is something around overcoming adversity, whatever whatever you that adversity is, to be able to achieve the art of wave riding, even if it's just on your stomach. Uh, just catching catching a wave on your stomach is just as thrilling. Um, so it's about conquering conquering something which is great i think it's got you know amazing um amazing parallels to life in terms of having to fall over lots and lots and lots before you and having to pick yourself back up and that tenacity uh, of spirit that's needed to achieve stuff i think is is i love and you can see it you can see it every single day that the waves open um but then, yeah, again, the, the the sound of waves and you know the sight of waves, the thrill, trying to calm calm nerves and turn it into exhilaration and bringing out your best performance. Um, again, it's it's such an important thing to be stimulated by and being able to overcome potential nerves or anxieties and and flipping it into something much more positive and creating an environment therefore and i think that this is the real benefit of what we've we've managed to uh, create is creating a very safe space to test that sort of stuff out because there's no doubt that doing doing it in the wrong place in the wrong setting down by the beach it could go really wrong um but if you've got really good surf coaches around you, you know that it, it's mechanical. So you absolutely know that nothing nothing could potentially go wrong or, or very minimal amounts going to go wrong. It creates a safe space, space to really explore that um, feeling of vulnerability, but then also then conquering. Um, so I think... Yeah, I mean that's that's why that's why I love surfing. Um, but I think even just being in the water, even if you don't have a surfboard or bodyboard, just being in the water and being knocked around by nature a little bit, um, and also being being in water, being immersed, just taking some gravity out of your system, and just being um, uh, literally being at one with with an element which you know we're roughly 70 percent of our bodies made up of of water and actually just having that connection almost on a cellular level is is also important so i mean it's, gosh there's so many i could go i could go on forever <laughs> i remember when i was when i was going through chemotherapy and treatment i i just used to dream of lying in a field and being in water and um i remember when i when i'd finished we 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 went away on holiday and I, and we went and uh, I was with all my family and I did, so I'd had a mastectomy. So at one point I couldn't, even, I couldn't even move my arm. So I never imagined I'd be able to surf again. <laughs> and I remember when I just first got, and I'm not a very good surfer, but I remember when I first got on my board, I just thought, okay, like I, I can do things again. Like life, 
life is you know there, there there's a there's a big kind of mental turning point i remember i reached at that point and i just thought this is it's i'm out on the water in the calm and i'm actually doing some physical exercises there's just a lot going on and it 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 was a it was a great feeling yeah 100% yeah it's um yeah it's similar last year it was sort of um i had I had a big stroke or a series of strokes last february and um you know getting my speech back was obviously great it was good that it was getting better and and various other things but it it was a, a real threshold moment when i first went surfing again and i suddenly again felt like anything is possible and that was that was the moment at which i suddenly flipped from feeling a bit like a victim to suddenly go actually um watch out world here i'm coming back now um that was so important yeah and i mean i i imagine you, you i don't know whether i'm just suggesting maybe it may did did you did you see sort of what you've been working towards really in action with your with your sort of 100 percent. Yeah. yeah i mean th- it was it was um i literally had created my own medicine chest without even knowing it's like it's there it's like uh, and it was it, i wasn't really expecting it although i you know in the first lockdown i mean it was just after i, I i'd um first lockdown i think happened uh, about about three weeks after m- my stroke um and um it took it took a couple of months for me to be able to sort of get properly back up onto my feet and stuff but then i was like oh, i'm just gonna i'm just gonna go to the wave because i really miss it um and just had a bit of a wander around and then i thought oh the bottom of the lake's a bit grubby um I'll, I'll just go and get a broom and start cleaning the lake a bit and then I didn't stop I just kept going kept going and suddenly realized I'm just all around I'm not having to talk to anyone which was f- very very taxing um talking to people at that stage because I can't process still still now it's everything is is feels like a little bit of a second language um but just being immersed in the water I just felt like I was just getting better and better the more and more I did it so then I ended up, yeah, for two months being the glorified pool cleaner, but at the same time, <laughs> being at the same time, feeling better and better and better and better um, until eventually then uh, we had to turn some waves on to just sort of do some churning of the water and stuff. And I was like, oh, I must surf again. <laughs> so just caught a few waves and yeah, just suddenly everything clicked suddenly realized that I was back um so yeah it yeah it it created as I say it created created my medicine chest without knowing it and so now you know and you know we released the report of the blue health report um just before my stroke but oh my goodness like I am I am the biggest advocate for blue health ever because because not only did I know you know back then I knew that instinctively it was probably very good for me but actually the rehabilitative qualities of blue health is just so profound um and so that makes it even more important that we get that message out there and try to bring that to to society as much as possible and i wonder what um your doctors sort of thought seeing you go through your rehabilitation did they and 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 they 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 obviously know what you do and mm-hmm. can they can they see themselves the the really positive. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, with, without a doubt. I mean, um, my neurology 
consultant um he specializes in strokes you know without a doubt he you know they all f- f- thought i'd i mean i'm still quite young to be having a stroke but even even given that my um you know it's where i'm up to now is probably uh should have taken a couple of years to get so you know i really really supercharged my my improvement um it's quite hard obviously to be able to know how much of that is down to blue health and and being in the water so much and and uh, um you know i did a load of other things like really good nutrition and all sorts of other things um but uh, in the same way that they don't know why I had a stroke and they're going there, there's a mechanism as to why you had a stroke that we just don't understand yet. Um, and I've done all of the tests, everything possibly, you know, every stone looked under and they can't find what it is. And then they think it, it could be a whole catalog of sort of stress and uh all sorts of things but they just don't know that mechanism and i think it's exactly the same i think you know if the the more you get up the tree of consultants and um the more they understand actually that there's a whole load of stuff out there that they just can't explain but they'll they there's a real acceptance that they don't know everything that there's a real acceptance that there's stuff going on uh in in the body and the mind that is just unexplainable um and obviously they need to teach it and so what tends to happen is that people within the medical system um get funneled through parameters that are very easy to to um explain but ultimately uh, i remember as a medical student uh, there's a lovely book called describing a rose with a ruler um is that you can't you can't you can't describe a rose with a ruler because it's it's so complex uh, um, and you also lose the essence of it um, and it's something that I've really been thinking a lot the last couple of months around that that, that book describing a rose with a ruler that we that very reductionist system approach you have to do it because you have to teach people it but actually above there you know how, how would you describe a soul of somebody and the essence of somebody's personality, you can't put them in there. And, and, and that's, that's so important. Um, so, you know, what's great is going back to your question is, you know, that this uh, consultant just says, look, there's just stuff we just don't know yet. We might not ever know, but we feel we're happy that we've investigated everything we possibly can and try to give you the best, best chance of improvement. But yeah. There's stuff out there that we just really don't know. And I think that comes back to the blue health. There's stuff in there that we want to start getting a bit of explanation around because that will also help with that sort of prescription model that will really affect people's um, health and well-being across society, hopefully. But but having an open mind and, and having having a medical community that have an open mind to say science can't explain everything, there isn't... Um, there, there are there are explanations for other things. I, I was I was very lucky to have a, a surgeon who who suggested to me um, to, to to try meditation, and and meditation for me has been a, a cornerstone of of my um, sort of recover, recovery process and that real connection to yourself. And I think it really resonated um, with me. When I when I've been reading, doing some research on on, on your work, how you 
describe um, trying to encourage people to sort of really sort of access that inner medicine cabinet, that real mm. sort of inner in, in ability to heal. And that goes to the mind, the body. It's that just intrinsic connection that I think is it's the bottom of, at the bottom of it all, I, I feel. 100%. And, you know, just, just to give a bit of background from that, my dad was an osteopath, so I grew up with with already subscribing to the model of you know the and in fact 80 still um andrew taylor still who who devised the concept of osteopathy was um uh was you know one of his principles was the body the body has its own medicine chest it's just a matter of tapping into them so i think you know um without getting too philosophical about it but we're, we're very good at looking at ill health you know from a medical system is like where's the disease how can we eradicate it can we take it out chop it out you know kill it all, all those kind of things um and actually the flip side or the different way of it, it's like where's the health in somebody and where where is that health and how can we how can we uh, elevate that health to a, a higher level um so you know apps you know and particularly when you start you know for you with meditation it's like well what's why not it's like you know and again it's like why not try it because as long as you're not subscribing to the old sort of medieval arts of you know trying to you know down down a bottle of mercury or something to try and kill something you know <laughs> so but, but you know but but why not because because it might just help and actually even if you and it's not it's not even down to sort of placebo effect it's just if you feel better for doing it and it gives you a sense of better well-being calm you down whatever it is we don't know necessarily what the the physiological effects or structural effects or functional effects that are happening in your body but why not and and i think a lot of this is is through life is like well if it's not going to if it's not going to literally kill you then why not why not give it a go um what's what's the worst that could happen and particularly when you look at, you know, at things like you know for you cancer um for me you know sort of having a stroke or heart disease and stuff is like why not try it as long as you're not you're not stressing the body out by doing it then there is a chance that you could could improve from doing that so yeah and why not subscribe to the possibility of perfect health and a yeah. perfect well-being i mean i thought it was really interesting in in, in the blue health report that there was the definition of health by the WHO and it says a state of complete physical and mental and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity and I just thought reading that as a society was so far away from like that state of physical mental and social well-being but yeah. it's possible yeah yeah no exactly exactly I, 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 I yeah I, I do like that I can't remember and I don't even know if this is it just suddenly jumped into my mind and I can't remember who said it is that that sometimes science uh has has what was it it was it was something around it's it's defined like trying trying to trying to help us die in as healthy state as possible and it's just like it's like <laughs> it's like it's just bonkers it's like yeah what's the what's the healthiest way that you can die it's like yeah uh, to me that was just i, I just love that quote and I, I must try and find out who who said it but yeah, yeah, I, it's I, that, i'd like to know that quote because that yeah totally 
bonkers. It's the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll try and dig it out. <laughs> the final few questions I'd love to ask you is like, what, what's kind of your, your utopian vision for, for the wave and um, how you see that maybe rolling out in, in, in the UK? Um, well, I wouldn't restrict it to UK. I would say, I think, yeah, I think this is something that we can, you know, there is a bit of, um, you know, what we've done is, is done it in a certain way, but also, um, brought about some technology, uh, and embedded it in the whole vision, um, for something that is completely ripe for rolling out many times. You know, this is, you know, we've not even touched the surface of trying to impact the, the Bristol, South Gloucestershire sort of area. Uh, and that's that's got to be our, our number one target is is really trying to um, bring a lot of health and happiness to the greatest number of people in our area. And, and we need to still prove that. Um, we've, we've done some pilot projects, but we need to really prove that on a bigger scale, which I'm really excited about. But we do have the opportunity. Um, you know, there's, there's many cities in the world. Um, so we're talking with a number of different um, parties in terms of both in the UK and abroad, some big cities as well, to to deliver this sort of thing um, in many other places. It, you know, it's 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 if we do it right, then it's something that will really impact the health and well-being, and you know of anybody in society so we just want to bring bring that concept um to as many people as possible really um and so we're just sort of gearing up now to how we're going to be able to achieve that and you know funding partners and um and big organizations government organizations as to how we can go take this concept of health and well-being as a destination and roll it out across a whole range of places yeah. And I'd imagine the uh, the pandemic must, in some small or or large way, help get governments government. Oh, it's massive. I mean, li- literally, if you were if you were to if you were to write a business plan, it's so right. You know, we've 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 opened up, we've got it going, and then suddenly all of the the values that we hold so close to our heart in terms of the benefits that could be the perceived benefits of what we 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 know um is now the whole of society is struggling with it you know um there's a there's a new app called clubhouse which which is a a new app which you can you can um talk to anybody from anywhere around the world and it's just it's just like the whole world is feeling this pinch at the moment of feeling feeling very um yeah feeling very penned in and not not being able to get out there into nature and feeling feeling like really tired and feeling quite unwell mentally and physically so you literally couldn't you it's like the perfect place for it's such a perfect time to be able to deliver something like this there's so much pent up demand um so i think that it's you know i think uh, i think when we come out of lockdown people will value experiences way more than just buying stuff for the sake of buying stuff i think i think we know from amazon that we've done that phase um over the pandemic there's a lot of stuff being bought by a lot of people 
hoping to fulfill their lives. Some of them is is because they're you know spending more time at home and trying to fix stuff around and um, set up a nice life. But um, but fundamentally, I think we'll be shifting from a very much um, um, commodity um, culture to an experience culture. Um, and I think if if we can wrap out wrap up that experience with health and well being and creating fierce protectors of the planet at the same time, then I think that there could be a real, real shift in the way that um, society goes. I just really hope that people just don't slip back to what happened before and, and need a constant reminder that, you know, we have a, the pandemic, the pandemic has completely shifted society. Um, but I think we really need to go, right, what's the what's the bits that we hate about the pandemic but actually where are the positives off the back of it you know have we spent have we been more connected to our family uh you know are, are we are we making more effort to talk to people um and you know start to draw out some of the the good stuff um uh, and look at it for, look at the future with 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 hope rather than um going back to what we were definitely going you know, a route that we're going down which which is one of consumption of the planet um and uh yeah and all of the problems that come with that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think uh, th- th- there's the potential for so much positive to come to come out mm. of that, um and i know so many people are saying that nick last couple of questions if you don't mind um what's the just piece of advice you've ever been given Sages business advice. Ooh. I think I think the sagest bit of advice um, was f- through was from um, uh, Chris Hines, uh, who's been a friend and a mentor, really. And that's about it's about caring, really. It's about um, approaching approaching life through the eyes of wanting to care for people. I realized, I realized that that's a common theme that's, you know, from, from being in healthcare, but all the way uh, uh, along my life, I've noticed that, um, that I really care about people and I really want to, um, to help people. Um, and then I realized that I really care about the planet and I really want to help that. And, bringing those two together were, were, were the biggest realization. Um, and it, it, and I, and I knew it, but I couldn't explain it until Chris Hines said, you know, this is, we need to, we need to create a very caring world and you could be a big part of helping people care more about themselves, other people and the planet. Um, so I think, I think, it wasn't it wasn't succinctly said in in a catchy phrase but it is around just we need to care more absolutely no said very well and um the, the sagest piece of advice you yourself would give to to listeners oh crikey um yeah for me i guess i, I guess you know without being too cliched but and i would imagine that you would feel similarly with everything that you've gone through is that you know we we are running out of time <laughs> we're constantly running out of time um and 
and we need to get stuff done now. Um, you know, not 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 with a sense of ur- urgency that would would be um, chaotic and crazy, but m- making real steps to how you would want to be um, the impact that you could create in the world. Um, and we've all got superpowers, 100%. We all got our, our, our various niches or things that we can combine passion with focus. Um, but I would just really ask people to really think about what those things are and and try to aim towards it because I think that that's what will get the best out of them as humans in themselves, but also will create the biggest impact out there as well. So it's that real combination of passion and focus and finding those things that really make sure that every single day you get out of bed and go, it's going to be a good day and we're going to make some real positive change out there. We're here for a short time. Make, mm. make it count. Make it count. I don't know if you're a reader, but um, can you can you um, recommend a book that's really, really had a big impact on you? Probably the, the, the book that um, overall had the biggest impact on me was um, uh, when I decided to not be in healthcare so much, you know, you know, seeing patients. I read a book by um, Yvonne Chouinard, um, uh, the founder of Patagonia, called Let My People Go Surfing, which is just a, I think it's called, um, you know, it's, it's a book of a reluctant businessman Um but how how important and and how important that was for for me to be able to um, think about the business that I was about to embark on and how the pursuit of you know we would need to be a profitable business to be able to raise thirty million pounds to build the wave, um, but how important um, looking after the people and also making sure that we're not destructive. In the planet by doing that um and it was just a lovely meandering um sort of narrative in terms of starting up off with humble beginnings in terms of literally he started making some carabiners for, for climbing and how this huge empire that has grown from it um but he's always done it in the right way or trying to always do do good um do good business um, um, and how profitable that can also be by doing it doing it well. Uh, and interestingly, when when I met up with Chris Hines um, for the second time, he came to Bristol um, to come and see us. And uh, I met him at the at the train station, and he and he pulled out pulled out of his case, uh, not his case, his bag. He's like, "You've got to read this. This is amazing. This is amazing." And literally out of my case was exactly the same. I've just read this. I was going to give it to you. Um, and as that, that was the moment where like, right, I'm definitely, I've definitely found my tribe and yeah. And that, that's great. You were on, um, you were on the same page. Literally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then a couple of other books. I mean, I've got uh, this one I'm really enjoying. I have just nearly finished uh, from Adam Grant, give and take, which is, um, really yeah it's all about trying to helping others actually drives your success rather than 
taking from others to try and big yourself up. And this is by one of um, one of my friends, um, Sam Bleakley, uh, who's a lovely writer. Um, yeah, mindfulness and surfing, uh, reflections of saltwater souls. It's it's lovely, really great thing to just dip in and out of. Um, and yeah, all of those are, are still available. It's been um, it's been really really lovely to chat to you. Oh, it's been a pleasure, absolutely. Thank you very much, Nick. Head to the Waves website to find out more how you can book in a surf session or lessons and to read up about blue therapy and how you can get involved. As someone who wasn't sure how I'd get back into swimming and surfing after a mastectomy, I can vouch that a hefty dose of blue therapy was the tonic I needed to restore some inner belief and confidence in myself and my physical body. But for now, until the world opens up again and I can get to the wave or the coast, I'll find some solace in dreaming of getting back into the water and go and spend some time by that muddy pond in the forest. Thanks very much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a five-star review. Until next time, goodbye.